Section 3 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes. Letters 9, 10, 11, and 12. 9. Camp Constitution, Portsmouth, June 12, 1861. Still in Portsmouth, in spite of all prophecies, augurs, and omens, the excuse now is that the baggage wagons and some other camp equipage are not ready. The time now set is next Monday, but I am not counting on going before Wednesday as a precaution against being disappointed. All our baggage wagons, harnesses, horses, and other field stuff are in Concord, and it is more than probable that we should go there to get it, and thence to New York through Manchester. I hope so, as it will give me a chance to see you once more, just for a moment. I was somewhat surprised to hear that Frank had gone to Washington. I wish he was going with this regiment. But I shall have as good care as I could wish for if I am sick, as my uncle, Dr. John, is going out with us in the hospital department. My aunt wrote me that if the doctor went, she should put on breeches and go too. And, by the way, I am not sure that you would recognize me now that I have followed the prevailing fashion and had my flowing lock shaved off close to the scalp. Yesterday morning, before breakfast, a party of us boys went down to the beach and had a glorious frolic, swimming, digging clams, and catching crabs. In the regimental organization, we were designated as Company 1. It is explained to us that this gives us a post of honor as the color company in the center of the regiment, but I am a little skeptical. The boys have been singing sentimental songs, but just now have switched off onto cheers over the taking of Big Bethel in Virginia by General Butler. Hooray! The way they are tearing it off is a caution. All are at fever heat to be off and helping in the war. 10. Headquarters, 2nd Regiment, New Hampshire Volunteers, Portsmouth, June 16, 1861. We know at last just when we are going away, sure. Next Thursday at seven o'clock in the morning we are off, as we go direct to Boston and not through Manchester. It is good-bye until I come home from the war. Cy Swain is under guard today. He refused to do duty and invited Rod Manning, one of the sergeants, to go to blank place. My ribs are sore from laughing over the regatta we had today out on the mill pond. Some of the boys gathered together from somewhere a number of hogsheads, halved by being sawed in two and went voyaging them. They were not a very manageable craft. They rolled around every which way, capsized, collided, and went through all sorts of ridiculous stunts. We have had issued to us blue flannel blouses, thin, loose, and far more comfortable than our uniform dress coats. Some of the boys have been fishing down at the fort today. They brought home a lobster they caught, and while a kettle of water is heating to boil them in, are teasing the poor fellow with sticks, Heenan is taking an active part in the persecution. He holds up long enough to say to me, Tell her I want to keep the first two months' pay to buy my liquor with, but after that I will remit enough so that, with her own efforts, the family will be insured from want. 11. Headquarters, 2nd Regiment, New Hampshire Volunteers, Portsmouth, June 19, 1861. Off we go at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, and everything is bustle and excitement. I've seen lots of Manchester folks here within a day or two. Mary Rice was on the parade ground yesterday. Dr. Nelson, Henry A. Gage, 
A.C. Wallace, Policeman Bennett, Parker Hunt and his mother, and many more of my friends and acquaintances. We have been drilling today with knapsacks and equipments on, and my shoulders are as lame as if I had been beaten with a club. Twenty rounds of cartridges have been issued to us. You will direct letters to Company 1, 2nd Regiment, New Hampshire Volunteers, Washington, D.C. We may not be at Washington, but there is no mail south of there, and it will be distributed from that point. There was quite an excitement here last night, resulting from a fire on the frigate Santee. It was set near the magazine, in which was forty tons of powder. 12. Washington, D.C., June 25, 1861. Here we are at last in Washington, safe and sound, but stewed with the heat. We left Portsmouth on scheduled time, Thursday morning. At Boston we met with a grand reception. The boys will never forget the suburb collation that was served us there. Not merely the toothsome meats and substantials, but all the little niceties, such as strawberries and cream, etc. From Boston we went to Fall River, where we took the steamer Bay State for New York. I roosted on the hurricane deck and never had a better night's sleep in my life. At New York, the sons of New Hampshire gave us a flag and a feast, after which we were ferried to Amboy, 16 miles, and took cars for Baltimore. I got in a good night's sleep between Harrisburg and Baltimore, and Sunday noon we arrived in Washington. Our camp reminds me of the old-fashioned tin oven my grandmother used to set before the fireplace to bake biscuits in on the sunny slope of a ridge with not a tree for shade and shelter. Hot! And the flies! I know now how to pity those poor old Egyptians. We have plenty of unusual happenings now. I'm not sure, but some of the boys are seeing spooks. Sunday night several of the sentinels reported exchanging shots with prowlers about the camp. I was on guard that night, where there were plenty of bushes, but the best I could do I couldn't find anything to get excited over. Dan Mix, one of the Teamsters, says he was fired at four times while coming into camp with his team last night, and it is currently reported that the Zouaves camped next to us captured a spy a day or two ago, and he will be hanged today or tomorrow. I can understand how some secessionists around here might be tempted to take a pot shot at a Yankee sentinel out of pure cussedness, but I haven't got it through my head yet what a spy could find to spy out that isn't perfectly open to anybody who cares to look about in broad daylight, unmolested. Just before I left Portsmouth, I had a letter from my mother that touched a sensitive nerve. My dear old grandmother, Knowlton, came down from New London to see me, but I had just gone back to Portsmouth. As the first and favorite grandchild, I always filled a big space in her little world. She mourned over her disappointment and grieved that she should never see me again. My mother could not even conceal her own blue streak. She and father were in Boston when we went through, and I had a chance just to shake hands and say goodbye to them. I've seen Dave Perkins here two or three times. David L. of Manchester then connected with one of the departments. He asked me if I wanted to send any word to that little girl away up in New Hampshire, for he was going back in a few weeks. I gave him lots of messages, and have no doubt he will forget every one of them before he sees you. Our grub since we got here has not been quite up to the Astor House standard, but the Army stores will be here today, which will improve the bill of fare. So far it has consisted of hard bread bearing the stamp 1810, whatever that may signify. 
ham or salt pork and coffee. End of section three.